Well, good morning, church. Good morning. Man, it's great to be here, back here with all of you this morning. I love our worship around here. The fact we get to gather together and worship our awesome God and continue to celebrate life change through his son, Jesus Christ, absolutely just moves my heart every single Sunday morning. Hey, if you're joining us online, good morning to you as well. We don't want to forget you. You are important to us. Uh, but if you are new here, you are new in this building this morning, we want to welcome you. Welcome to Vertical Church. We love the fact that you are here. My name is Rich. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. We are stoked that you decided to come and hang with us this morning. We hope that you enjoy your time with us as we continue to chase this life, what it looks like to live a life with Jesus Christ. Um, open your Bibles, if you would, gang, to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. We'll be starting at verse 13 here in a little while. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. But as we get going, I want to do what I always do when we come up to the end of a series, getting ready to go into a new series. I want to share with you where we're going next. Starting next week, we're going to be jumping into our new series titled Normalized with everything that we have. We're going to put so much effort into the next series. Because here's the thing. One of the greatest gifts that God has given us is a gift of communication with him. One of the gifts that he has given us is the opportunity to have a communication talking with him. That we have the opportunity to talk with the creator of the universe. That he hears us. But for some reason, this amazing gift that he gives us, we as followers of Jesus Christ, we don't take advantage of it like we should. We don't make it a, a part of our lives like he, he desires. We're in a culture that says that's really not important. And I'm for thinking some reason it's either out of fear, like we don't know how to pray, so we're going to walk through, teach you how to pray. Or we don't understand the importance of prayer in our lives as followers of Jesus. But as I read through this book, if I have conversations with God, as I read through this book, I am convinced, actually let me just change that, I am convicted that prayer needs to be a normal part of our walk with Jesus Christ. So that's where this series is going. We're going to be all focusing on prayer. It's going to be a God-awesome series that you do not want to miss. And I'm just going to throw out a challenge to you this morning. I'm going to challenge you to be here for that series. It's a three-week series. Be here every single week and hear what God has to say to us, his children, about prayer. Also, I want to challenge you to be a part of everything we're going to be throwing at it. One of the things I want you to do this morning is pick up those invite cards that are on your seats. Go ahead and pick them up. I'll wait. I'm still waiting. All right, pick them up. So these are invite cards. And what I want you to do is hand them to someone this week who you believe needs the power of prayer in their lives and they can really learn what it means to have this relationship with Jesus Christ. Hand them out. So that's challenge number two. One is to be here each week for the, service, for the series. Two is to invite someone to come with you and the third is we're kicking off our next uh, Bible reading plan as a church. So starting tomorrow, we're going to be kicking off a new series, and it's, and it's called, guess what, 21 Days of Prayer. Imagine that. See how we work things around here, kind of put things together like that? So 21 Days of Prayer. And I want you to join us, and I hope that you do, because what have we been doing? We've been putting these reading, Bible reading series in together as we walk in through the teaching series. And it's, it's been really a joy for me in my life. It has been such a joy to watch God as you read through his word to show you uh, what's going to change in your life, show you how he has called you to live. And you've been sharing that through the reading app 
And it's been such a joy to my life, and I want to continue to do that. So we're going to be jumping into that starting, starting tomorrow morning. You'll find the link on our Facebook page. It'll be posted this afternoon. So please find it, jump in, be a part of it, all of us together as a church. And I think there might be a, a text going out later this evening, and just in case you forget to go to Facebook and check it out, it'll be a text coming across saying, hey, go check it out so you can be a part of this. So this morning, we're wrapping up our Counterfeit Christian series, and some people in the room are saying, thank the Lord. I mean, for real, I mean, this series has been kind of tough. It's been very challenging to understand what it looks like to follow Jesus, to not be a counterfeit, but be the real deal when it comes to following Jesus Christ. As, we, as I shared in the beginning of this series, there was my hope that you would not feel attacked, that you would not feel attacked, but it was my hope and prayer to inspire us as a church to walk through this series together. So we walk out of it each and every week and even after it, proclaiming living this real deal life with Jesus Christ that not only will impact our lives, because friends, it will. When we start living it with for Jesus, we start aligning our life to his, how he's called us to live. It directly impacts our lives, but it also reveals to the people around us that Jesus does change everything. When we surrender our lives, he changes us. When we walk with him, he changes, continue to change us. And so that's been our hope in this series. And listen, if you miss any of those conversations, as much as you're joyful to get out of this series, you can always go back and catch up on our podcast, free to listen to, free to download, but jump in from there. And believe it or not, as we wrap up this series this morning, we're going to be talking about prayer. As we've been walking through this series, we've been walking through the book of 1 John, and we've been doing that, he gets at the end of it, his concluding marks of his letter, he makes it really clear to us that the authentic life in Jesus has one of its pillars is a foundation in prayer. See, I believe prayer is a very powerful tool at the fingertips of everybody who says they're a follower of Christ. I believe prayer is, it can be a catalyst for life change. Prayer is a consistent key to unlocking God's power in our lives. And this is why I say this. When we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. Let me say that again so you hear it. When we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. Hmm. Here's the truth of this almost everyone prays. Almost everyone prays. The polls and statistics show that over 80% of Americans pray. But as you dig into the studies and how they came up with those numbers, it gets pretty interesting how they pray or who they are praying to. Some pray to Allah. They stop and the Americans say, well, pray to Allah. Some pray to their ancestors. Some people pray to nature. Some people pray to the universe. And what I found is absolutely crazy. A study done almost eight years ago showed that 6% of atheists pray every day. What? I don't even get that. What are they praying about? Who are they praying to? It doesn't make sense. But all my research and praying through this and, and getting ready for these conversations this morning, it led me to one thing. Almost everyone prays. 
Almost everyone. But the real deal Christian prays differently. See, Christians are prayer-filled people. Counterfeits are prayerless people. And prayerless people, they, they block themselves, they have cut themselves off from the power of God working in their lives. And when we do that, they, the result of that is many times people feel overwhelmed in life. Or they feel overrun in life. Or you're walking through life and you're feeling beaten down, defeated, or alone. Hmm, well maybe the fact that I just said that out loud your feelings are now becoming a reality that I put it into words. See, I have no idea what's going on in your life, but maybe you walked in this morning and you are feeling overrun. You are feeling beaten down. You're feeling defeated because of what you're facing tomorrow. I don't know what it is, but maybe something tough. Maybe you've been walking through something all week long and you feel like there's no hope or you feel alone. Maybe it's a part of your life that you've been neglecting that can help you move past that. To find that breakthrough like we just sang. That find victory over what's in front of you. Maybe that could just simply be prayer. Whenever I meet with somebody and they're struggling in their walk with Jesus, they're rich, like, I'm, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm feeling. I feel dry. I have no idea what to do next. I'm just feeling this separation. I always stop and ask them, how is your prayer life? How is your prayer life? And almost everyone answers me, well, it could be better. Well, of course it could be better. Every single one of us can say our prayer life could be better. But what that is code for is almost non-existence. Because you can have a conversation and talk about their prayer life and what happens is there's a, ther a, a thermometer of how hot they are for Jesus. See, real deal Jesus, Christian follower and people, I'll get my words right eventually. My wife's down here laughing like, would you just slow down? We're red hot in prayer. We're talking with God, having a conversation with him on a constant basis. And I want to be clear, I'm not talking about ER prayers or my life is in crisis prayers. I'm talking about us having a deep, intimate conversation with our Lord where we're laying out our heart. We're laying out our lives before him, talking to him. You are talking to him and he is talking to you. And at the same time, we're listening to him. That's the kind of prayer life I'm talking about. See, kind of for Christians play the prayer game Real deal Christians pray in Jesus' name. So which one are we? We're going to find out. Take a look at verse 13 as John continues to have a conversation with us. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that somehow, way, you may think that you have a possibility of having eternal life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you can roll the dice and there may be some kind of chance that you'll spend eternity with God. I write these things to you. It doesn't say that. What does it say? I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you may know that you have eternal life. 
John, at the very end of this letter, he's making very clear, throwing down a purpose of his letter. He said, I'm writing you to you who believe. You have given your life to Jesus Christ, who has surrendered to Jesus, so that you know that you are the real deal and you received the free gift of eternal life. See, what John has been doing, he's been methodically walking us through these letters. The last four chapters, revealing what it looks like to have this transformed life with Jesus. So that we walk through the end of it, 100% know with full certainty that we're going to be with God for all eternity. Man. Thank you, John. Thank you, Jesus. But he didn't stop there. He continues going on. Look at verse 14. He says, this is the confidence we have approaching God. That if we have asked anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. Here's the deal. Real deal Christians come before God with confidence. Real deal Christians come before God in confidence. See, this is where it gets awesome. Because of who we are, we have confidence to come before God. Because of whose we are, We can come before the creator of everything and have a conversation with him. This is you. This is me having direct access to God, talking with him, crying with him, arguing with him, pleading with him. Why? Because we are his children, right? We're followers of the king of kings. And we can come before him with confidence. Well, this is so much harder for the counterfeit to embrace. This is a harder reality that the counterfeit actually pushes aside. They can't stand before God in confidence. And many times when it comes to the counterfeit Christian, they don't, they don't step up with confidence. They actually shrink back in fear. And I believe it has to have to do with everything that we've walked through in this series, starting from the beginning, that we have maybe this unconfessed sin in their life. They're not dealing with how God has called us to deal with sin in their life. Maybe they've embraced the world and rejected God. Now I talk about put your hand up, right? Put your hand up the world. Say, talk to the ears. Talk to the hand of the ears not listening. Well, maybe they haven't done that. Maybe they did it to God and they've embraced the world. And they're walking with one foot in the world and think they're walking one foot with Jesus. Or maybe they're harboring hate in their life. Love is not a true thing. There's people they just absolutely despise in their life. Or maybe we talked about it last week, they're not living in obedience. That they're opening the books and they're having a conversation with God through his word and they're saying, oh, that's not me, that's for Steve. So when those things are in our lives, when we're living out how God has called us to live as his children, why would we ever stand before him in confidence? Why would we ever want to come before a holy God? I wouldn't. I'd be afraid of the spiritual smackdown that about to take place. How about you? Let me walk through this. Uh, back when I was somewhere around 10 or 12, somewhere between that range of age, uh, my dad made my brother and I, Steve, he made us some, some slingshots. Man, they were awesome 
slingshots. I don't know what happened, but God had these trees that were perfect, came up and had a Y and had this trunk. My dad went out and cut them, and they were his, he's just amazing. He took these rubber bands and put slits on the sides and put them in. He cut these little pieces of leather out and put holes so he could make this little shot spot. I can remember it perfectly because mine was green and my brother's was red. And he said, go out and have some fun. So me, my brother Steve and I, and we were in our happy place. I mean, come on. As little boys having slingshots, we're out there for hours, have an amazing time. And then dad comes out and he sees that we're throwing these little stones all through the yard. He goes, boys, yeah, dad, what are you doing? We're just playing with these new toys. This is awesome. He goes, no, no, don't throw them in the yard because they're going to they're gonna chew up the mower blades. Shoot them down the street. All right, dad. So I pick up the stones and we're throwing them down the street. Well, then the little stones weren't doing enough. So I'd pick up a bigger rock and a bigger rock and a bigger rock. And finally, I was getting the rocks that wouldn't fit in that little, little leather thing anymore and it would fall down there. So I was like, well, I'm getting done with this. And I set it down and I picked up the stick next to the tree about the size of a baseball bat. And I started picking these rocks out. Bang! Bang! Beat that, Steve! Come on! And we're having this amazing time. So I picked up another stone. Bang! My neighbor, two doors down, had this beautiful white Mustang sitting out front and went right through the windshield. I looked at Steve, who looked at me. We just turned around and we ran. We just ran around the back of the house. Oh, no, no, no. And this happened to be before dinner time. So we came in the back door. We're in there washing our hands, getting ready for dinner. And I looked at him and said, don't you dare tell anyone. And he's like, I don't want anybody to tell So we went out there and we sat to dinner and had dinner like nothing ever happened. Well, after dinner, happened to be a knock at the front door. Oh, it was Mr. Rankin, the owner of the Mustang. And I hear him talking to my dad, and he's having a conversation with him. And I hear, Rich? I come sheeping around the corner. Having, and I, I wouldn't even look at my dad face to face. I couldn't even look at Mr. Rankin in his face. And I'm looking down the ground. And he goes, you know, Mr. Rankin told me that there's this windshield broke and there's a stone laying there. Do you know anything about this? No, Dad, I don't know anything about it. And I turned around and walked away. And I walked out of the room and just left. I don't know anything about that, Dad. I felt horrible. And over the next several weeks, there was something to me and my father. I didn't spend time with him. I actually avoided my dad at great lengths. I didn't, when every time I saw Mr. Rankin, I went back in the house until he went inside. Then I went down the road. I avoided the whole time. Well, then, one night my brother let something slip. And if you ask me, I'm pretty, I'm pretty salty about it still. And my dad just looked at me. And that was it. I lost it. I'm sorry, Dad. I didn't mean to do it. I was just doing down the street. I was crying. I was weeping. And he just looked at me again. Walked over and put his shoes on. Told me to do the same. And we walked down to Mr. Rankin's house. Knocked on his door. Opened the door. Mr. Rankin steps up to the door. I'm so sorry. I'm just it was, it was absolutely ridiculous. I don't know what's wrong with me. But I was just weeping and weeping. You know what happened that night? My dad and Mr. Rankin forgave me 
Sure, there's consequences for my actions, but the freedom that I had at that moment was amazing because nothing was separating from me and the Father, my Father. I could see him. I can engage him. I can step back into his world and be with my dad. See, that's what it's like with prayer. So we're living as counterfeits. We're living how God has called us not to live. We can't step in with confidence because there's something between us. See, real deal Christians live out the first four chapters and we can come step back in with confidence with God the Father. So where are you? Where are you right now? Do you come before God in confidence? Do you come up and say, here I stand, here I kneel, here I bow, God? Or do you shrink back and hide? Do you even come before him? You would be shocked by how many people say they're followers of Jesus but never stop to talk with Jesus. You'd be shocked about how many couples have God at the foundation of their marriage but they never come before God together as one. Do you spend time carving out of your days the slow, the busyness of the life that we've all embraced in this world down to clear the mechanism, the talk life with the one who loves you the most. See, counterfeits get to this point and they waffle when they come before God, right? Because they feel like foreigners in a foreign land. Real deals step up with confidence. Why? Because they know they belong there. Friends, if you want God's presence in your life, then you need to form habits that actually invite him to show up. And a very simple, practical way to do that is prayer. Where are you at? Look back at verse 14 and 15 again. It says, this is a confidence we have in approaching God. If we ask, ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that if we, he hears us. Whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Here's the second part of this. Real deal Christians, pray God's will. We pray for God's will. See, prayer is not a magical thing or a mystical moment in our lives. It's a time of conversation between us and God. And when we pick up this book and we actually read through it, we see that's been what it's been laid out since the beginning of time for all humanity. People talking with God. Listen, I'm going to be honest. There is a lot that I don't understand about prayer. I often wonder, how do the words that come out of this mouth echo in the ears of the Almighty? I mean, come on, how does that even work? 
Scripture says that even when I don't know what to say, that the Holy Spirit of God residing in me speaks on my behalf of the Father. What? I don't get it. I don't understand. So don't ask. I don't have the answer. Okay? But it happens. But when it comes to prayer, I think there's things that we'll never understand truly. But there are things that we're held accountable for and it doesn't change what has been revealed. So if you look back in chapter three, John shares us his dear friends in verse 21, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. There it is, come before God with confidence and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. So according to this, a part of being according to his will is you and me living in obedience. Now, we walked through that last week's and last week's conversation. I don't want to go back there because it actually hurt too much to actually deal with that. But that there's this idea that we think we can come before God and command three wishes and our lives that we live does not affect it or doesn't affect the outcome. Think about this for a moment. You have a child that doesn't listen to you. You have a child who gets a little bit mouthy and does whatever he wants. You have a child that's dealing disobedient. And you're constantly walking through that one day this sweet little child comes before you and say, Mom, Mom, Dad, Dad, listen, can I have a birthday party? I mean, can I, can I have a birthday party and invite all my friends to this? Hey, did mom, dad, you see this new toy? And they get on knees, please, 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 can I have this new toy? It's amazing. I really want this. Well, listen, listen, can, I got to just turn 16 or 17. I got my license. I know, but can, can, can you buy me a car? Well, like, I got this amazing idea for us to do as a family. Why don't we go to Disney as a family? So they come before you asking all this stuff. What are you going to say? Just want to be clear, the answer should be no, okay? No. Why? Because if you as a parent wouldn't grant the ask of a disobedient child, why would, we, why would God grant the ask of his children who are living the same way? When it comes to God and relationship, why would we think there'd be, be anything different that we come before God and plead and call out, but our lives are a train wreck behind us because we're not living for him. Prayer is not a genie in a bottle. We rub the lamp and God does whatever we ask. It doesn't work that way. Now, I know I'm gonna date myself in this, but there was a show a long time ago called I Dream of Genie. Has anybody ever heard of it? Thank you for not leaving me alone. I appreciate that, right? So she would do whatever her master required. Like, do this. Yes, sir. Boing, boing. Right, she'd fold her arm. Boing, boing. And that's how I think we approach God sometimes. Like, here's my laundry list. Okay, boing, boing, boing. Like, God's, we, it doesn't work that way. 
The second part of this is understanding that it may not be his plan. Isaiah 55, 8, 9 does a really good job showing us that, that his plan, his ways, his thoughts are far greater than our own. John Stott wrote this, prayer is not a device where we impose our will on God trying to bend his will to ours. Prayer is you, me, submitting our will to his. Just like Jesus said, yet not my will, Lord, but yours be done. See, I love this because it's a clear reminder to me that a prayer is not a one-way street where we come before God and we just throw this, all this laundry list of things that we want him to fix. That we just, we're just gonna throw it out there, God, where you're gonna take care of it. We want you to do this. Prayer is you and me speaking with God. And God is speaking back to our hearts. And we're asking God to say, move this mountain out of my life. God is stepping in and moving mountains in our hearts so we truly see him for who he is and start loving him for who he is and start following him as his children. Because he wants to fill us with hope and peace. He wants to break the strongholds in our life. Romans 15, 13 says this, may the God of all hope fill you with joy, all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit coming before God, communicating with him. And he's communicating with us. He's giving us rest, giving us peace, following him, following his lead. Prayer moves the heart of the hand of God, but also moves the hearts of the people who are following him. And he's continuing to line our hearts to his purposes. That's the real deal. And that's what God desires for every single one of you. That we can come before him with great confidence. And then we can stand and just share whatever is going in our lives. And God said, like, I got this, I got this. Let me just show you here. Let me help you move that mountain. Let me just move this in your heart. And we're gonna continue to align your life. That's what he has for each and every one of you. One of us. That is the real deal. So here's where the rubber meets the road. If you've heard and talked about the last several weeks, but we're kicking off on October 15th at 7 p.m., a night of worship that leads us into 24 hours of worship and prayer. On the 15th from 7 to 8, we'll be in here and we'll be praising, singing praises God and worshiping as a church, but it's gonna move right in the prayer, 24 hours of walking through, learning how to pray. It's gonna be 24 hours of God awesome and you don't wanna miss it. See, we wanna help us as a church to normalize prayer in our lives, 
the most of, one of the most effective tools that God has given us as his children. And so as you come in this room that night, there's gonna be prayer stations around the room. And you can come in and you start in one spot and pray around and you just hit a couple of them here and there, but we're gonna teach you how to pray if you don't know how. We're gonna show you what some things we're praying about for other ministries in our area, missionaries around, our own community, our own country. It needs to become a normal part of our life. And the whole time, there's going to be worship music playing. So we're learning how to pray, and we'll be ministering to God at the same time. So when you leave today, you'll see out on the wall a big banner. Maybe you've already seen it already. For you to go out and sign up. I want to be really clear. When you put that, your name on that wall, you are committing to be here for that hour, on, for those 24 hours, one of those 24 hours. It's not where you say, I'll, I'll be praying, and you set your alarm, right? And you wake up in the middle of the night, and you're like, okay, I gotta pray. And then you follow. No, I'm not talking about that. I, it means you're gonna be here. You get up out of bed, get out of your pajamas. I don't bring your pajamas, I don't wear them, I don't care. Come and pray. It's commitment. And you see that there's four spots for 24 hours. And I'm praying that we have more than four people in this room for 24 hours praying. Why? Because real deal Christians pray. And if you're looking for a very practical way to build prayer in your life, there's no better way to start with our prayer night. 24 hours. Grab a hold of everything we're going to be doing through this next series. The normalized prayer. Be here for each week as we walk through this series. Jump in to the the reading plan. Invite your friends to come be a part of it. And then join us for the worship night and join us and sign up for one of the hours and come and pray. When we work, we work. When we pray, God works. And when you pray, watch how God works works in your life. It's absolutely amazing. Prayer, there's nothing else like it in this world. That's your challenge. Will you be the real deal? Will you normalize prayer in your life and talk with the one who loves you the most with great confidence? Let's pray. Father, we thank you We thank you for your love in our lives. We thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, this series has been very, very convicting to walk through, but I'm so thankful you kept it in your word that we as your children would push it back against the false Christianity that's happening in America, that we'll embrace the real deal life in Jesus Christ then watch you work in our lives in a radical, radical way. But let our lives be a light to everyone around us that Jesus does change everything. Father, as we step into the series on prayer, I pray that as we we embrace this as a church, that you open our hearts, you open our minds, to see what your word says, to feel and understand what your spirit is calling us to do.
May we become a church that's filled with the normal lives in prayer. Right now, I'm gonna call the prayer team forward. And if you have something going on in your life, I have no idea what it may be. And you were, like I said in the beginning, you're feeling defeated, overrun, overwhelmed. We want you to come forward at the end of service because we want to pray with you. We want to pray over you. Speak the truth into your life. And if you're in this room and you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never made him the Lord of your life, let me just tell you about the very first prayer that you can make is by praying and surrender your life to him. And if that's you, come for it. We'd love to pray with you. We'd like to talk to you about this, this hope that we have in Christ. And we would love to pray with you as you walk over the threshold of faith and give your life to him. God, you overwhelm me with your goodness. You're full of mercy and grace. You're awesome in every way. Today we praise you. You are holy, holy, holy. Because you are worthy, worthy, worthy. We love you. We worship you. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen.